millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. It's Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Email jp at c103.ie or you, of course, can tweet at c103cork. You can always send us a message on Facebook via the c103cork Facebook page. Ahead on the programme this morning, something we didn't get to on the show yesterday and as the majority of schools are now back this week, why overcrowd? and teacher shortages need to be addressed by the government if schools are to remain open. We'll be speaking with Sinn Féin spokesperson for education raising uh, the issue that is Cork South Central's Donica O'Leary. Also, as Cork City's landscape changed at the weekend by the knocking of the Sexton Bar, uh, the bigger question is, do we need to protect older build- buildings in our city and also in our county towns and not only buildings but the landscape? When we were discussing the uh, flooding over the last number of weeks a lot of people were questioning the work done in Bandon now the answers for that uh, somewhat have come in on, on why that particular town flooded uh, but many were asking the work done in that particular town with raising of walls and all of that some agreed that it needs to be done some disagreed that it should not have, never have been touched and things should have remained the way they were now if they remained the way they were the whole town would have been underwater uh, last week but there was mixed feelings on the work carried out so with that in mind and then with the developments that are happening on the city of Keys do we need to look at how we develop our towns and cities in the future or do we really just have to move on and go with the times we are in whether that be for weather conditions and the changing climate or uh, that we have to realise we are uh, becoming a more modern Ireland and we have to reflect that in our buildings and in our harbours. Your viewers are welcome on that. We'll be discussing with local councillor and historian Kieran McCarthy on the show later. Also penalty points for the fishing industry but what does that mean for Irish fishing? Uh, We all know of penalty points when it comes to cars but how will this impact on our fishing industry already under pressure here off our coastline we'll be discussing with the Irish South and Southwest Fish Producers Organisation and more of your calls and comments on speeding through Cork towns and villages yesterday it kicked off with texts and calls coming in from Mill Street about the uh, what was one person described at about 20 to 8 yesterday morning 
cars speeding through the town of Mill Street. Uh, it is a 50k zone in the town. They were saying cars were going a lot faster than that. And then we got more calls and texts from Lizarda, uh, Dramahan and other areas of Cork who agreed uh, with that particular listener in Mill Street. So have you come across that in your town? We'll catch up with those calls and comments on speeding in towns and villages right across Cork and what should be done uh, to address this particular situation. And synthetic drugs are changing on the drugs market. We're going to speak with the campaigner Nicole Ryan whose brother Alex died from drugs a number of years ago but she is educating people and has been travelling around to a number of schools over the last number of years warning of the dangers of drugs but now she's warning of the dangers and the changing measures that's happening within the drugs trade. We'll speak with Nicole later in the show. So that and more to come between now and one and our lines are open 1850 If you have a view on what we're discussing this morning or something else you want to raise you can call Bernie or Sadie or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 now uh, just going back to yesterday's show before we move on uh, we had a number of calls and texts uh, just when we were finishing up the show yesterday and what we were discussing regarding Killarney which is still in the news and this was uh, the scenes from the main street in Killarney over the weekend a lot of people angry about this yesterday because while well, we're all um, the majority of people are behaving the, the amount of people celebrating and jumping on top of old phone boxes on the streets did anger a lot of people. It did open up the whole issue of should the pubs just be opened? Would this happen or would this have happened? Well, you could say it probably has happened in the past when things were normal before COVID. So why would it not happen if the pubs were open or not? Anyhow, on this, your calls and comments uh, on this from yesterday afternoon. First of all, Helen is in Banaladee and she says it's high time that some worthwhile restrictions are put on the sale of alcohol from off licences and supermarkets. Surely the dogs on the street know about the huge amount of alcohol being sold at off licences and supermarkets. There's no limits and no proper regulation. And then you have some small, rural and indeed urban wet pubs closed. Some will never open again. And Helen's opinion is that many of these would never create the problems now being allowed to happen as a result of huge amounts of alcohol being sold off from off licences and supermarkets. Where is the sense in all of this, asks Helen in Banladee. And staying with that particular issue from Killarney, Texa here says, this offering of food in bars to have a drink isn't suitable for all, especially the elderly. As last week, my neighbour was waiting for a taxi that he had arranged to pick him up from a certain pub. The only food in that particular bar was a pizza. And then he ordered his bottle of beer to have with that particular pizza. Now, he could not eat eat much of that particular pizza because his chewing is not great Uh, but it was a very costly drink for him and I'm sure there are plenty people with similar experience to my particular elderly neighbour that when they go out they might not be able to eat the food that's an offer. Uh, like that particular man has an issue with chewing. There could be another issue. Maybe they don't like that particular food that's an offer, but they have to have food uh, if they want to have a particular beer or whatever in that particular bar. And this per- person is making the point that it doesn't work for everyone. And well, on another issue to do with the off licenses and uh, should they now need to look at 
off licenses and supermarkets and restrict the sale of alcohol there and Maggie is saying I think all off licenses should close as they're the cause to a lot of these house parties and extra drinking to the extent that people are out of their minds and it ends in fights and problems when I was growing up there was no off licenses if people wanted a couple of drinks for the house you could buy a few bottles over the counter and we were taxed on the bottles and then you went back to return the particular bottles to them uh, way better system them, as I really think uh, we were better off without the off-licenses. With off-licenses, a lot of deaths have occurred after drinking huge amounts of alcohol. We had great teens in my years, uh, mostly because we had dances with very little chance of alcohol at those particular dances and we enjoyed our lives and we respected the law and each other, says Maggie on text to 0862103103. And I presume when you say you bought the bottles over the counter that they were purchased from a bar, so you would go into your local bar and ask them for uh, bottles of whatever and they would give it to you and then you'd go back with the empty bottles on a return type system Uh, Maggie I presume that's what you you mean by that but is that a better way Uh, do you agree with Maggie they need to look at the issue now of all licenses and the selling of drink in supermarkets if we are seeing the scenes we're seeing from house parties and on the streets over the weekend and uh, Maggie saying the availability of alcohol is the reason and that needs to be looked at and should we go back to what we had a lot of people yesterday were making the point that we should go back to the way Sunday opening hours were opening mid-morning mid-afternoon closing again for the remainder of the afternoon and opening for the late evening until around 10 o'clock I mean should we go back to that type of scenario on a Sunday when it comes to our pubs and open the wet pubs and rural bars across the country Uh, Maggie thank you for your text to 086 103. Uh, more calls and comments on that across the morning as well. And indeed, back to the issue from yesterday of speeding through many Cork towns. But Jer was in touch and he's furious because Jer says he was in a shop yesterday and the shop he was in refused to accept cash as a payment. He wants to know, can they do this? And has it happened to anybody else? So has that happened to other people? That when you go into the shop, obviously the majority of us have been encouraged to use card and tapping to pay so you're not touching the person by giving them cash and there's no exchange of cash between you and the person behind the till. But Jer is furious that the shop he went to yesterday refused to accept cash as payment. Jer says it's a legal tender, so why could they not take it? And have others been affected by this? Let us know. 1850 on the issue of pubs, a texter says all pubs should be open. Now every person that was in Killarney and caught in that video should be fined. They might cop on a bit then if there were fines. And on the issue of pubs, a texter saying there was a queue outside my local pub this morning at 9.30am. And trust me, this texter says they weren't queuing for a cooked breakfast. Uh, says that particular texter on 0862103103 and John says it was with great pleasure that I see Maureen McGuinness is now also in line for Phil Hogan's job with the EU Commission I hope if she does get it she will do us proud and it will prevent this this whole scenario turning into the old boys club again well on that the government was under severe pressure last night to appoint a woman to the crucial EU commissioner posts and insiders from Brussels and indeed Dublin have warned that if a man is given the role Ireland risks losing that particular key trade portfolio which obviously enough with Brexit would be a disaster for us here 
as this is a crunch time when it comes to everything to do uh, with Brexit and discussing tariffs and all that between the UK and Ireland. But the indications still are that Simon Coveney has been tipped to get the job in a move uh, that could put Ireland on a collision course uh, with the President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, and indeed the European Parliament. So we'll have to wait on what happens in that particular situation. Uh, something we'll go back on during the week is how public representatives in West Cork, they have said that €40 million Euro will be needed to improve roads which are badly damaged in the recent floods. Some would say the roads were damaged as well before the floods, but something we will touch on uh, during the week on that particular update from that story over the last two weeks on the flooding in the West Cork area, affecting all regions of that particular area of Cork. And a report that's out from the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland shows that mixing alcohol and medication may be harming more than one in four older adults. Seemingly, the research found that 67% of people over the age of 65 drank alcohol and 27% were heavy drinkers. But within this, the study did identify that 28% of older adults, uh, who of, of that, there was 42% of them who drank, uh, they were at being a risk of potential harm from alcoholic medication interactions. Basically, this is mixing alcohol and medication. And doing this, they say, can cause increased risks of unawareness. So you can get confused. And also, uh, they can make wrong and bad decisions when it comes to something to do with their own life or future decisions like we see about making wills and that type of thing. It also uh, looks at the fact that they may have uh, falls or other accidents in the home. So that's something uh, they're telling people to be aware of in their families. Those who do drink uh, may drink in the evenings, now maybe drinking at home and are on medication for them to be aware of that when it comes to people uh, over the age of 65 from that particular research. And as the festivals are not going ahead this year, Electric Picnic boss Melvin Bain, he has said, regardless of what's happening next year with the coronavirus, the Electric Picnic Music Festival will go ahead. Of course, this weekend would have seen over 70,000 people uh, descending in the Midlands at Strabally in County Leash uh, to see bands such as the Chemical Brothers and Snow Patrol not going ahead this year due to COVID, but he is vowing that it will uh, go ahead next year, regardless of what's happening uh, with the coronavirus. They will make it work. And just staying with COVID because uh, five counties are now being monitored closely by health officials after a rise in COVID-19 in the last few weeks in counties such as Dublin, Limerick, Tipperary, Carlow and Wexford all recording high incident rates in that particular period. It comes of course as the restrictions placed in Kildare they were lifted yesterday afternoon but again, the acting chief medical officer, Dr. Ronan Glynn, has asked people in those five counties to take extra care and to follow the public health advice because fear is that they could be the next counties that could be hit with local lockdowns if the numbers increase. More of that across the show. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But the issue of schools and overcrowding classrooms, discussing that next. As the schools return, parents and teachers had concerns concerns over classroom sizes, something that is always an issue in this particular country. Sinn Féin spokesperson on education is Dunica O'Leary and he joins me this morning on this. Good morning to you, Dunica. 
Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. First of all, you feel the issue of overcrowding and indeed teacher shortages. This could be just two of the issues that if the government don't address this, uh, schools could be forced to close and they need to look at this if they are to remain open. Well, look, I mean, I suppose I'd come out the other way, albeit at the same point. I think that there are a number of things that we need to do now to ensure that schools do remain open because I believe we need to be positive about this uh, and we need to be constructive. But there are serious gaps in the government's roadmap that now need to be addressed, and I believe they can be addressed, but they absolutely need to be addressed. Um, You know, there was enormous work went into ensuring schools went reopened, particularly on the part of principals, teachers, school staff, and obviously parents and students themselves. But, you know, the reason that the reopening of schools was so difficult is because we have an education system that is underfunded, understaffed, and grossly overcrowded. Uh, I published figures at the weekend that showed uh, some of the sizes of the largest classrooms in each county. Uh, there was a classroom in Cork last year with 40 children in it. Uh, in West Mead, there was a classroom with 45 children. Uh, so that's absolutely unacceptable. It doesn't make sense from an education point of view, but it also means that social distancing uh, is more or less impossible in those situations. And obviously that has implications uh, for how we manage the pandemic and how we reduce the risks in relation to that as well. So I think it was disappointing that the roadmap was published, contained no commitment to try and reduce uh, the overcrowded classrooms that we have in many buildings that are not fit for purpose, but in classrooms of very often well over 30. I think we need to be putting an end to the day of the classroom at 30 and working towards the EU average of uh, 20 or the OECD average of 21. That's for most developed countries there. That's where we should be aiming. Uh, and I think it's disappointing that the government has made no commitment in that direction so far. How can we aim for that? Well, like, I mean, obviously, the first thing we need to do is maximise the number of teachers available and then on an ongoing basis recruit. Uh, but there's also the space issue. And look, I mean, in terms of implementing social distancing, the government, um, I suppose, issued guidelines in relation to social distancing for post-primary. Um, but there was no audit done of school buildings. There are many um, school buildings which are modern and which may have the space to achieve that, but we think right across our county and our towns and our villages, there are many school buildings that are from the 40s, 50s or 60s with much smaller classrooms. We believe there needed to be an audit put in place to identify the places that there was the most urgent for additional capacity, whether on campus or off campus, and specific funding uh, ring fence for that. But as well, like, I mean, look, there is a need to maximise the number of teachers, first of all, uh, to ensure that any underemployed teachers get the maximum hours available to them. Uh, secondly, uh, to ensure that there's about 6,000 uh, registered teachers with the Teaching Council who are not currently teaching or at least not teaching on a regular basis. Um, we believe we need to identify as many of those as possible that are willing to return to the classroom and then we need to expedite uh, the placement of fourth-year student teachers and second-year PME students that is a part of the ordinary course of things in an ordinary year uh, but because of the delay in higher education institutions uh, getting organised for this coming year there's a bit of a delay with these coming on stream so that needs to be expedited. All these measures as well as additional SNAs which can be recruited will, I believe, make it easier for class sizes to reduce where you have classes that are too large to split them uh, and to make most to make the best possible use of the teaching resources that are available. 
And you mentioned there about funding and how it's ring-fenced for this. I mean, we have seen how long it takes to get funding for certain schools in our county and indeed for the city. Carrick Tool, I suppose, is one that's been spoken about a lot over the last number of weeks and indeed years at this stage. Uh, is the funding there? I mean, you say it's ring-fenced, but is the actual funding there to go ahead? And we could name a number of schools right across Cork that do need uh, funding at this time to go along and increase uh, the building space for them. But when they go for funding, we're always told the funding isn't there. Yeah, well, look, no, I don't believe it is ring-fenced. So what we're calling for is that there's a specific priority funding for schools where there's the most urgent need. That doesn't exist at this point in time. There's undoubtedly an issue with school buildings and the way that they're planned, the ability of the department to see demographic growth and where there's going to be need, uh, such as we've seen in Carrick Tool in particular, but other places as well. And indeed, Carrick Line is another example of that. Um, you know, in those places, there was a delay in identifying the the growth in the population. Uh, and it's also proven to be very, very, I think the forward planning unit department is not particularly, um, has struggled to deliver large projects on time. Uh, and that's obviously been created huge problems for students in terms of being in temporary accommodation and split across campuses, different things like that, in situations that are very far from ideal. There's just two other, I suppose there's a number of other things, but two of the other key issues I think need to be addressed is deliver a safe, and sustainable return to school is we need testing. We need rapid testing. We believe that teachers, school staff and students should be a priority category. They're not at the minute. The government, uh, it was reported that they were going to do this. Then they pulled back from this. That kind of confusion is unhelpful. I think it's obvious that um, with the almost one million children and uh, tens of thousands of school staff, if we are to ensure that they remain open, we need to ensure that there, there are cases they are dealt with uh, very swiftly, uh, decisively, and priority testing is a crucial element to that. And then the other element is supporting parents. Parents are going to be in difficult situations on some occasions where their child has symptoms, but they are worried that if they're not at work, that they're going to be out of pocket, that their job is going to be at risk. We want to see force majeure leave uh, extended to ensure that parents are not facing that kind of concern, that their incomes are protected, that their employment is protected, uh, and that is essential to give them the confidence uh, to keep children home where they're displaying symptoms. It makes sense from a family point of view, but it also makes sense in terms of schools because there's less chance uh, that schools will face the increased risk of children ascending with symptoms. And I'll touch on the, on the parents' issue shortly again. I just want to go back to the funding you mentioned there. If it is, which it is a need for to increase classroom sizes and look after buildings, we do need funding. Where would the money come from? Would you borrow then like has been done over the last number of months for COVID? Is that the only alternative uh, to invest in our education system, to borrow money? Well, like, like I mean, obviously borrowing is necessary at this particular moment. Uh, and obviously, um, you know, capital investment rather than current spending is a far more suitable way of spending borrowing uh, to use uh, borrowing to pay for, for current expenditure obviously creates more long-term difficulties. Um, but uh, we will be launching our alternative budget in the coming weeks and that will contain uh, the full detail of how we would envision additional spending uh, being accounted for. But I, I suppose it, to some extent it's not necessarily about um, the amount of funding. It's to ensure that it is prioritised adequately to ensure that those schools that have the greatest need of additional investment that are most severely impacted by social distancing and have the greatest difficulty in achieving that, we believe they need to be prioritised. 
And on the issue then of supports for parents, I mean, you mentioned there for working parents. What about then a situation when the child is in school, the child might be displaying COVID symptoms? I mean, should more supports now be available for parents in that particular situation? If they're both at work, they get a call from the school that their child is in this particular situation of showing symptoms. Uh, a lot of parents feel, and schools as well, and principals feel that they need more support for these particular incidents if they do arise. Absolutely. And like, I mean, look, I mean, I think our proposal in terms of expanding force majeure leave uh, would uh, would deal with that set of circumstances as well, where um, where a child presents with symptoms in school and then the, the parents have to, one of the, one other them might have to absent themselves from work. We believe that that would be covered in that. But like, I mean, look, I do think in general we need to look at uh, supports that are available to, to parents as well. Like, I mean, I think there are issues to be looked at in terms of illness benefit, uh, in terms of sick pay, uh, and I do believe that the Taoiseach is the, min- or the, is the Minister for Employment uh, needs to engage with employers and workers' representatives to ensure that there is adequate support there for employees when they need to, and they will in many instances need to respond to, to family need in relation to the pandemic. And then in relation to secondary schools, uh, I presume you welcome the news, first of all, this morning in relation to the government now and the, and the prior performance of the school has been dropped as a factor in deciding leaving cert grades for students. I mean, a lot of people thought that was very unfair anyhow in the first place. Well, look, I hope that's happened. But like, I mean, to me, there's no evidence that that has happened so far. The minister has refused to publish the model. Um, there's no indication that she will publish it. So, look, I mean, we've had platitudes from other ministers in the past. Uh, in Scotland, England, Wales, uh, and in the North, saying that the system that they had envisioned was fair and equitable. Um, that's what the Minister is saying now. But in all those places, that was proven to be false. So I have to say I want to see it in black and white before I be declaring victory on that particular account. OK, well, they're saying a report this morning from the Irish Independent that she has decided against using that particular method, but you rather see it in front of you. I know she's. Uh, well, they're saying Cabinet are supposed to sign off on that particular final system today. Yes, but you see, I suppose, like, I mean, look, they're talking about standardisation still, and at the end of the day, like, I mean, if scores are going to be adjusted, um, it seems to me that, you know, there's differing reports saying that the past performance has been dropped, or alternatively, that there's an additional weighting on the teachers' uh, calculation. We believe the teachers' um, calculations, we need to trust their professional judgment, but if it's only an additional weighting, then that still suggests that there is some weighting uh, on the school's past performance and other considerations like that that will probably end up disadvantaging students from disadvantaged backgrounds. We would still be very concerned about that. The Minister so far has refused to publish the model. As far as I know, she's still refusing to publish the model. I'll be meeting with her at lunchtime. Um, but like, I, I think we do need to see it in black and white before we can say that there. I would be concerned that what may happen now is that the injustices may just fly under the radar. Uh, and uh, I don't think that that's something that anyone wants. And we'll wait and see what happens later this afternoon on that one. So, But on third level issues, a lot of students are texting us again this morning and we had this discussion yesterday. Uh, those who were going back to third level or starting third level, uh, still a lot of them are going to be encouraged and must pay high fees, high college fees that is, while the majority of their courses will be done online. Is that something that the government and indeed yourself, the Sinn Féin, will look at if students are going to only spend a few hours a week on campus while some ITs have reduced fees, others have not, other colleges haven't. Yeah, well look, I mean, it's obviously very frustrating for a third level student where they're studying remotely um, and they don't have access to all the 
facilities uh, and resources of the university that ostensibly the registration fee is supposed to be for. I mean, we have the highest fees in the EU at this stage after Britain leaving, um, and we've been calling for the reduction of that, indeed, on the long term, the abolition of that for many years. But in the immediate context, um, it's very frustrating for students. In my view, what's needed is there's a need for investment in third level, and I don't think that that's necessarily, um, you know, like that's not just in the interest of um, the, the students, even though it obviously is, but I think it's in the interest of the institutions as well. And what that needs to look at is you need to look at ensuring the sustainability of the institutions because they've lost uh, significant revenue from international students that won't be t- attending this year. Uh, that's the case in, in right across the third level sector. But it needs to look at access to education as well. Uh, expanding access in terms of SUSE and the different grants that are available uh, and looking at the criteria for that, which are very restrictive at the minute. But also, um, I think it should be looking at the cost of the registration fee, reducing that uh, in accordance with the investment that's made directly by the Exchequer because um, it isn't right that you would be charged a registration fee that's meant to be about the services and support but not get any of the benefit from it. Yeah, very true. Well, 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 again, some colleges have engaged with students, but it seems others haven't. So I suppose we'll have to wait and see if others will follow uh, those that have uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, very finally, before I let you go, Danica, a lot of talk about Ireland's next commissioner, Simon Coveney, still being tipped for that particular job. If he does go, it does, of course, spark a by-election in Cork South Central. And given the last time that you topped the poll there, uh, I presume Sinn Féin would run a candidate uh, this time around again, given Given that Golfgate will have damaged government parties, uh, Sinn Féin and other parties uh, would have a shoe in here for that particular seat if a by-election was to run. Well, look, sure. Look, I mean, if there is a by-election, and obviously we're speculating at this point in time, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, but if there is a by-election, you can be sure that Sinn Féin will be standing, uh, and you could be sure that we'll be out there to win. We got a lot of support in the constituency. I'm very grateful to the people of Cork South Central uh, for the support that we got in the in the general election is our best ever result in the constituency and need to be sure that we'd be hoping to build on that uh, given that the opinion poll suggests that we have built uh, on our general election turnout. So if there is a by-election, whether it's in Cork, whether it's in anywhere else in the state, uh, we will be out there to win it uh, and I think that we we have a very strong base of support in Cork South Centre and we will be hoping to build on that whether it's in a by-election or the next general election, we're building all the time. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, as again, it is speculation at the moment, but if he does go, it will spark that by-election. For the moment, Dunica, thanks for joining us this morning. We'll also uh, watch what happens later on in deciding the Leaving Cert grades for students. That is Dunica O'Leary, who's Shins Fain's spokesperson on education. Joining me this morning, your views welcome. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 86 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your call. 0862103103. As the city's landscape continues to change, many do ask do we now need to protect our older buildings in the city and indeed our county towns? Well, local city councillor and historian Kieran McCarthy joins me on this. Good morning to you, Kieran. Morning, Jeffrey. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. I suppose all of this debate comes from the demolition last Friday night of the Sexton Bar, which was steeped in Cork's history. Many felt that the front of that building should have been saved, like so many other others across the city? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the building dated back to 1877. began its life as a hotel and then actually became a bar as time went on. So I think it was first occupied by the, sex, the Sexton family, 
go back in time. I mean, the planning permission was passed for demolishing last November and December, so the battle to save it was 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 last year. Um, so that that's important to note. Um, and I tweeted out, um, uh, I, I suppose, a video of the sextant being demolished last uh, last last Friday evening. And I, I think the views are up to 40,000 views on Twitter. And there was a lot of anger and a lot of kind of disappointment. So there's a huge interest in the old building of the city and their character. Um, and are we losing that? I mean, we put a picture up. I took a photograph of the final demolition on Saturday when the building was gone. And we got a varied reaction on the C103 Facebook, whereby many felt that we will now have just glass boxes across the harbour. But then others were saying, welcome to 2020. Bring it on. It will modernise our city. It's time to leave the architecture of the old to the city centre and make the Docklands area look more modern. Is it a time now that we need to look at our docklands? I mean, we, I think it's the second or third uh, most uh, largest natural harbour we have in the world outside of Sydney. Uh, so it is underutilised and we could do so much with that particular area. And if you come up the river now and see all the glass buildings, it does look like you're uh, entering a major European city. So is that the way to go for that part of the city anyhow and forget um, the past? Well, no, I'm, I'm calling for a happy balance. I mean, you, you mentioned yourself the second largest natural harbour in the world. Like The harbour's been developing for a thousand years, like in Cork City, so there's stuff below the ground and there's stuff above the ground. I'm not, I'm, I'm not calling, actually, for everything to be preserved. And what's interesting, on the Sexton site, there are two buildings behind it that are being preserved by the, the developer. Um, so and they'll be restored. The the old Cork Black Rock and Passage Railway terminus is is, is to be restored as as a building and another building as well next to it. Um, uh, for me, what I want is a balance of the old and new. I mean, if, if I, I've said publicly and I'm on public record in the City Council chamber that if ten percent of the architecture or the old styles of architecture from Docklands are retained, that I'd, I I'd be happy. I mean, I I've also been calling that Cork Docklands. Uh, needs to have its own character in terms of public realm and architecture but what I don't want to see is like a, a series of buildings that all look the same they're just all glass boxes all the way down South Docklands and all the way through uh, North Docklands um, so I mean I, I'm calling that the council and developers work closely and I, I and as well, one of the reasons I've been asking for this debate over many years is that the Cork South Docklands plan the local area plan is out of date um, and the council is trying to publish it in the next year and a half in association with the new city development plan. So we're, we're, we're developing plans and developing buildings, or, um, our developers are, and there's no local area plan in place. So there's no, uh, I, I'm, I'm calling for more joined up thinking. Yeah, and you mentioned there when the sextant that that was obviously spoken about last year, it must have gone over people's heads because until, like many buildings, when they go in and start demolishing the building or you see the diggers moving in, then people start asking questions and what's going on here. Uh, do we need to look now at the other buildings on Docklands? I mean, the Odlums building and all those, what's going to happen with those into the future? Are they going to go as well and be um, modernised or what is the plan for, for, for downstream now? Uh, because, I mean, again, many people are texting in this morning saying we are underutilised a lot of our harbours here in Cork uh, so should we look towards other cities and just enhance the area have restaurant bars and really big it up without affecting the city centre well, I haven't managed to find the developer yet who owns the Adlums bar so it's probably still with Adlums in some shape or form and I, I've also been a public record in the council chamber that would make a, a fantastic hotel or restaurant or heritage centre or some shape or form I mean I'm not I'm 
for me, I'm not calling for every building to be turned into a museum either. Like, it's an evolving city. It's a living city. But Adelums has massive potential, um, and it's just sitting there idle. I think it is a protected structure. Uh, one of the conundrums with, with the sextant bar is that it wasn't a protected structure. It wasn't an area of conservation. But when it, but the developer went straight to onboard Planola in terms of asking for planning permission. Um, and what happens at onboard Planola overrules the city development plan and our areas of conservation. Um, where as I, I'm not too sure if Bob and all I can do that to a protected building legally. So I put anything is possible when you, you kind of apply to Bob Planola directly. Um, we've we've seen that in the council chamber in recent votes as well, where we've we've, we've said that we've had votes calling for the non rezoning of green space, and then Bob Planola actually overturn us. So there's, there are several there's two examples of that in the last in the last year. So yeah, we're so we're dealing with national planning legislation as well. But Adelums, yeah, I, I'm I'm really really worried about the Adelums building. And you mentioned there the potential for that particular building in that area. Could it be a case we we, we keep hearing about the uh, convention centre uh, that's supposed to be the, the event centre that's supposed to be built uh, on South Main Street and the struggles going on there? Would it be better located down the, near the Docklands somewhere where there's more parking and it's easy to access rather than the fight that's going on on where it's supposed to go? Well, that debate is not on the table at the moment. The debate is in South Main Street. That debate was on the table with the five, six, seven years ago. Um, I mean, I was calling that 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 would be a better location to put it down the docks or near the railway station. Um, but the debate is still with with Live Nation and BAM on South Main Street. Um, and so we're just waiting to see if Live Nation have are still in the game or not for the event centre on, on South Main Street. Um, and if, the, if for, for instance, for example, with everything going on with COVID, if things did change, would it not be a better location to rethink everything and start from scratch and when the Docklands are being looked at now uh, and are being earmarked for progress, that it should go there? And at least then it would have a better chance of actually getting off the ground. Um, yeah, I mean, I was campaigning for it to go into Docklands, mm. um, but we need to wait. I mean... Uh, there's no point saying to Live Nation, oh, we, we're not waiting anymore, we're going to move. Um, and it mightn't be, I know there's there's been proposals being put in as well in the west of the city, and the showgrounds in the west of the city, there's interest in developing something out, out there. I think they've been published in the newspapers as well the last kind of couple of, uh, with, prior to COVID. Um, I know there's a large movement in North Docks as well, kind of next to the Penrose Key, key development there, the old CIE land is... Um, going back to the Glanmire Road is, is, is vast potential as well um, but there, I, I haven't heard any thought uh, thought on a plan B for the event centre and it's very much dependent as well on developers going I'll take that particular project on and there is a generous package on the table 50 million euros by government um, to go with uh, Live Nation and BAM to develop uh, develop the facility on, on, on the, beam, the old Beamish and Crawford site so we just need to wait and see what happens out of that. Well, whatever uh, the debate is, at least it's positive a debate because we are speaking about a city, as the phrase says, a city rising and there's a lot of new buildings going up on the Docklands front, which is making Cork uh, more modern looking and more European looking and it is attracting investors as well, which is the big thing. So regardless of the debate, it is a a positive debate as well. (laughs) Yeah, and especially in these times, it's good to see investment. So I think people will welcome that. For the moment, Kieran, thanks for your, your discussion on that. It's something that I'm sure we'll be discussing over the next number of years 
years, not only for the city, but also for our county towns. But thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, take care. Uh, that's Kieran McCarthy there, local uh, city councillor and historian in Cork City. On the changing landscape, and I suppose it comes from the uh, demo- demolition of the Sexton Bar on Friday night there in the city keys and how things are changing. And again, uh, a mixture of views on this. Some people are saying, yes, we're going to just have glass boxes now across the harbour, while others are saying, bring it on. It's 2020. We need to modernise things up. Your view on that? I know a few calls from the Bandon area. Uh, one in from Jake who's saying, I, it, it, it kills me when I see people tweeting about the developments in Bandon. They don't have to live with the flooding every few years like we do here in Bandon. So when I see people not from the area tweeting about our river, uh, when they have no idea of the reality of living here, uh, what is the point of saying something when you don't know the full story. I welcome the development in Bandon and it does modernise our town uh, when it comes in county towns. While Joan in Mallow is saying, I wish somebody would do something with the central hotel site in Mallow and modernise that up. We wouldn't mind a few glass boxes in Mallow to improve the look of our main street, uh, says Joan in Mallow on 086 2103 Call Barney 1850 333 103. And for callers from the Cove area asking about no water there this morning, uh, we've been in contact with Irish Water who say they are repairing uh, burst water main in that area. It is affecting supply to the White Point Drive and Cove areas. It's due to be repaired by five o'clock, five o'clock this evening, but we'll keep you up to date on that uh, if it goes beyond five. But for the moment, anyhow, that is the reason why there's no water in parts of Cove this morning due to that particular burst water main. Now, I mentioned in Cove there and the Harbour area of the city. We were speaking earlier with Kieran McCarthy, local city councillor and indeed historian on the changing face of our city and indeed our county towns and a lot of new buildings are being built and some are saying we should keep uh, the older buildings that we have in our towns and indeed our cities also and mixed views on that. Some people feel for the city we do need those glass boxes as people are calling them along our docklands. It makes and makes our city indeed a very modern looking when you're coming up a stream from the river or indeed on the roadways uh, while Gerard here is saying yesterday I was driving on the lower Glanmire Road and I must say I was very proud of Cork in a time where people are looking for hope there was new buildings on either side of me and as I was driving down the lower Glanmire Road I was heading home to Middleton he said there was a boat or a ship uh, coming up the actual river on one side and a train at the other side and I was thinking how metropolitan Cork has come with the glass buildings and indeed uh, the various modes of transport now that has been used in the city so he feels that we are a growing city and it's good to see something positive going ahead at the moment in Cork despite everything else going on uh, while a lot of people agreeing with Joan in Mallow uh, who said while she welcomes all the buildings and the glass buildings that people have mixed views about in the city she would love uh, to see someone do something with the central hotel site in Mallow uh, it's been spoken about for a long long time nothing has happened with that particular site and she said us in Mallow would love uh, for a glass building or a glass box or people, people are calling the ones on the Docklands in Mallow uh, to brighten up our main street due to what is there at the moment a lot of people agreeing with Joan on that while Michael in Castletown Bear says every harbour every inlet in this country is absolutely totally underutilised we are losing millions of revenue each year because of that our tourism board never paid a cent of attention to them and fish farms are inside these places they should be taken out of there and base them on the land where they would be under control and might I add create more jobs 
muscle lines need to be overhauled and controlled more and licensing needs to be reviewed. We are looking at thousands of extra jobs all year round along our coastline if it only got a small bit of serious imagination. There should be plenty of funding for this from Brussels which can be obtained directly. Our shoreline and its assets are a gold mine waiting to be explored says Michael in Castletown Bear on the issue of the changing face of our harbours and indeed our city and towns over the years and do you agree with Michael uh, from various harbours such as Bantry uh, the city cove others that there could be so much more done with them and we could be investing more for tourism in our particular areas and we need to just move on and modernise uh, our various towns and indeed villages and the city here in Cork as well or are you on the side of other people who feel we do need to protect our older buildings and keep that heritage uh, for our towns and indeed our cities our views are welcome 1850 but I think a lot of people would agree that our harbour especially the main city harbour is not being used used to its full potential as uh, it can be said for others across the county as well along our coastline on the issue of drink and this is going back to the conversation we were having yesterday regarding what came out of Killarney at the weekend and while we had much talk about that yesterday the conversation towards the end of the show turned towards the issue of drink and the availability of drink and one particular text she felt uh, that all the off licenses and the availability of drink in supermarkets should be curtailed or maybe closed totally to solve that particular issue that we are seeing now in the wake of house parties and a lot more happening across uh, the country over the last number of months and uh, with that we we did uh, go through more of those comments earlier on this morning reacting to that is Jim who says the carry on with these particular parties has much more to do with drugs than drink after drink one person or more they could fall asleep this this is not what we're seeing. This is not the trends lately. Uh, lately, we are seeing people doing all type of things and it's because drug sales are skyrocketing. It's all remaining unchecked and Jim says, wake up parents, wake up the Gardaí. The drink is a much milder option, says Jim on text to 0862103103. While Passion for Moy says the strength of alcohol is just too high. It should be reduced, but keep the price the same. He says A&E departments in the hospitals they're gone very quiet at the moment and is all this due to the pubs and nightclubs being closed is that one of the reasons why uh, they're a lot quieter than what they were asks Pat in Formoy and back to the EU commission because Colin Carrick-Tool is making a point he says while everybody is saying put a man and a woman forward for this particular role no one is going ahead with the idea of putting two women up for the commissioner role in the EU Francis Fitzgerald and Maraid McGuinness says Con will be two ideal candidates so why not put two women forward for the role rather than the argument of just having a man and a woman two women and there's two good candidates there says Con in Carrick Tool to 1850-333-103 on WhatsApp a parent here and this is the return to school and she says today is her first little fella's first day back to play school now this is where she wants to know other parents viewpoint on this because she was told as part of the new procedures we the parents must wear a mask dropping them off the mother in front of me in the queue had no mask 
and the mother behind me in the queue had no mask. If this is the carry-on of some parents, COVID will spread fast in the schools. It's stressful enough sending them back on top of seeing parents do this. And this is at a play school uh, where the parents were asked to wear the masks. But according to this particular person on WhatsApp, uh, mothers on either side of her in the queue were not wearing a mask. And she feels it's stressful enough without this happening. Do you agree with her? Has this happened? This opening up the debate of parents leading by example than if they've been told by the particular play school to wear a mask but then the parents turn up wearing no mask and you have other murders then in the queue wearing a mask and uh, they're questioning then uh, or maybe some are worried about the spread of COVID and some may have underlying conditions uh, that are worried about that and presume that everybody would follow the lead that the school has put in place. Or as others are saying this morning on text, maybe they just simply can't wear masks. Maybe there's a reason why they're not wearing the masks. Anyhow, your views are welcome on that. Let us know. 1850-333-103. Have you come across this? Uh, play schools or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the issue of money in shops, Jer was on to us earlier. Uh, Jer had an issue whereby he went to a shop yesterday and they refused to take his money. They said, we only deal with card now. We won't be taking any money. And Jer is asking the question, is this acceptable? Can a shop simply just go along and say, no, we're not taking cash. You have to pay by card. Uh, and Jer eventually did. But he said that everybody has a card uh, with them. Uh, and luckily, his wife was nearby and they could pay by that. But uh, the long story short is for Jer, he wanted to know, did this happen to others? And can the shop do this? Well, on that, uh, Liam, uh, who is uh, in the know, it seems, anyhow, when it comes to a legal type of thing, uh, Liam says, uh, with the particular shops in question, if you're not paying a debt, uh, they can pretty much refuse you based on the type of payment you propose to use. So if you're just buying something from the particular shop, uh, for example, a bar of chocolate, whatever it is, they can refuse you in that particular shop. There's no legal obligation to sell you anything in that particular shop, says Liam on text to 0862103103. While Finbar in Glenville uh, regarding cash in shops says it happened to him in a shop. They would only accept a card. Finbar does not have a card and he says he was trying to top up his phone. Uh, but then because he did not have a card, a debit card, a credit card, he could not top up his phone and because of that he was left with no uh, phone credit and he had to go elsewhere so it was an issue for Fimber in Glenville they also in the shop he went to would not accept cash so is that something people are coming up against when they go into a shop uh, that some shops are not taking cash uh, and is Liam correct that they can refuse you they don't have to uh, sell you anything in the shop. I mean, uh, there is signs, I think, outside some shops saying that the owners have the right to refuse their customers. So I presume it covers them in relation to money as well. But it would seem that for a lot of people, uh, the majority using cards and the reason the shops don't want to use cash is they don't want you basically handing over the cash to them or touching their hands or anything like that and they're not accepting cash they want card only your views are welcome is that happened to you or has it happened to you in a shop uh, let us know 1850-333-103 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and a texter earlier 
Uh, let's clarify this. It's on the wage subsidy scheme asking what is happening with this particular scheme. Now, uh, Sandy's saying I only heard some of this on the news earlier. But what's happening is the government's employment wage subsidy, subsidy scheme, uh, that particular scheme came into effect overnight and it will continue to provide support for thousands of businesses which have been affected by COVID-19. It's, it has replaced the temporary wage subsidy scheme that was set up at the start of the pandemic, but that will continue until next March because now businesses looking to qualify for the new support, they face tighter restrictions than under the previous scheme. So what will happen is uh, that the company in question will have to show a drop in turnover of 30% as opposed to 25% and will also have to provide proof that they are tax compliant. So that's the major change. They must show that they've had a drop of over 30%. Uh, Previously it was 25% and then they must show also that they're tax compliant. So it's now called the Employment Wage Subsidy Scheme that is an offer and that came in overnight to support thousands of businesses out there that have been affected by COVID-19. It will continue until March of next year. So hopefully that helps you there, Sandy, on that one. And Noreen, can we help Noreen out? And Noreen's in the North Cork area. Uh, but Noreen wants to know, can anyone in the North Cork area recommend a painter or a sprayer for a kitchen in the North Cork area? So can anybody help Noreen out? Uh, anybody can recommend a painter or a sprayer for her for a kitchen in North Cork? Let us know. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now we are aware the fishing industry has been under pressure for a long time. I mean, the time of the storms over the over last Christmas, we saw the number of boats that were docked in various ports across Ireland that were not Irish boats and pictures online opened that discussion up on the amount of foreign vessels fishing and while people felt sorry then uh, for the fishermen at that time fishermen were openly saying that's the way it always is and that's why we are trying to raise this over the last number of years now uh, something that has angered the fishing industry more is the fact that penalty points will now be imposed on that particular industry but what does that exactly mean? Well we'll be discussing that next. C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have an opportunity which includes for Clover Hill Food Ingredients. They're in Mill Street. They require warehouse operative. You can email your CV to hr at cloverhill.ie or indeed post it to hr Clover Hill Food Ingredients, Mount Leader Industrial Estate in Mill Street. The Longboat Bar in Doris, they require a chef, a cook and kitchen assistant. Send your CV for the attention of Martin. Email him, martinosul1 at hotmail.com. Dot com and a cook and kitchen manager is wanted for Meals on Wheels in Mallow. Applications to the chairman of Meals on Wheels, a new road in Mallow and the closing date is this Friday. You'll find these jobs and more opportunities right now. Just go online to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The fishing industry is unhappy that the Taoiseach moved to sign off on plans to impose penalty points on the industry. Michal Martin, of course, is acting as the Agri-Minister for the moment. And Patrick Murphy of the Irish South and Southwest Fish Producers Organisation joins me on this. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, John Paul, and good morning to the listeners. And thanks for joining us this morning. I suppose before we get into this, just explain this particular penalty point system and what this means, as many listening will only ever associate penalty points with most... 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what does this actually mean? This is a, uh, an, was meant to be an administrative sanction on top of what already is there. So if there is a, a discretion or a breaking of the law by fishermen. There's already sanctions there for these fishermen and serious sanctions where their fish is impounded, tens of thousands of euros of fines are imposed on them. And uh, just just to clarify, because I've been asked this question before, what happens if this isn't implemented? What happens is what is there already, a plenty of sanctions for fishermen. So this was designed to deal with small infringements, small breaks in the law, because some fishermen felt like that something that could be avoided or dealt with uh, with a fine or, or or penalty points would avoid somebody getting a criminal prosecution. So the industry were happy enough with this to be implemented, but it has turned out to be outside of Irish law and a sanction that is wholly and not utterly unjust for fishermen. It's not like the penalty points that you would envisage happens to somebody driving a car or or breaking the law in that respect, because this actually damages your property because it's assigned to the vessel, and if you sell on your license to somebody else, the points get multiplied each time you divide the asset. So if, if the best way to describe it, John Paul, is if somebody was uh, put off the road and he had a business delivering stuff all around the country, and he sold each one of his routes to somebody else, well, the penalty points that he would have associated to himself would be passed on with those routes. So the person driving the new routes would also incur the penalty points that was assigned to the original man, you know? And yeah, and, and just explain when you mean that if a fisherman does something wrong, or just one example of what could lead to someone receiving these particular penalty points or sanctions like you mentioned before this. So we have uh, electronic systems on board vessels, and at the end of each day you have to log in to the authorities and tell them exactly how much fish you have inside in the boat. If your equipment doesn't work or breaks down, or there's major cloud cover over you, and you don't send out that signal, you're obliged to come back into the shore. Now, you have you have an opportunity to contact Harbolin and whatever else, but 
if that happens, and it has happened, that some skippers haven't called in in time and they've been arrested, then they've been prosecuted in the courts just because the information wasn't sent out at the particular time that it was meant to be sent out, before midnight. And so the information being? What you have in the hold, what fish you have. Just just what you have in the hold, what, what fish you've caught that day and the previous days you added on to a logbook to see what amount of fish you're allowed to catch and they can come on board your boat, see are you within the parameters of the quotas that you've been given for that set period within that month. So something as simple as that, just because your electronic equipment doesn't break, it breaks down, on the balance of probabilities, this isn't evidence-based. So if you if you get these penalty points, this, this is the problem we have with this. If you get these penalty points from this system and you're sent into court because it's deemed as a serious infringement, which happens, and the court exonerates you and they say, look, we've looked at the evidence here. This fisherman doesn't deserve these points. He's innocent. When you go out of the courtroom, the points still remain because the courts don't have authority over this other system that's being implemented now. And that's our major issue. And who has authority over this new system? The new the, the SFPA and the panel that has been set up, three individual people that would deliberate whether the evidence that comes you can only challenge this back in the courts then on a point of law. So once you go through the process itself and it doesn't work, you can only challenge it in a point of law. But if you if you you will be sent to a courtroom, and and it has happened, like we've sent two fishermen, uh, we didn't send them no, two fishermen, brave fishermen, took this to the high court and they challenged this law was when it was introduced years ago, and they won, and the government. And the department decided, no, no, this is wrong. The High Court got it wrong. We'll go to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled uh, agreeing with the High Court. This was wrong. It just wasn't compatible with Irish law. You can't do this. And here we are again now going back to the same system, more or less the same way that it's very little changes. But the, the main bone of contention is you go into your courtroom, our Irish courtroom, they exonerate you, and it doesn't count. You're still guilty you still have the penalty points. And this is serious legislation because this damages your asset. It, it, it lowers the, the value of your asset because people won't want it because it's associated with penalty points and damaged already. And, and the second thing is in this time when fishermen are struggling really, really badly, like we've had bad weather, we've had COVID, you know, we're looking at the, the doomsday scenario of Brexit. And this is just something ill-timed, ill-advised. And if, he, if, if the politicians as our previous politicians were asked, just talk to the industry. We're not against bringing in a new set of regulations that the EU has set, but it has to be compatible with Irish law and it has to be fair for our fishermen. We're because, as you mentioned, Patrick, the sector itself weren't opposed to penalty points, but you want fairness, so I presume you want to be able to challenge the points that are issued, which, from what you're saying, cannot be done now. Yeah, we, want to, we agree with the courts. We agree with what they've said. This is It's against the Constitution. We need proper um, safeguards for our citizens that you have to be able to prove, without a doubt, that these people are guilty. It can't be based on probability. It can't be based that... So i give one scenario, OK? Somebody leaves Cork. Looking at the roadmap, it takes an hour to get home at 60 at the proper speed limit, right? So the guard sees him leaving at that particular time. Another guard sees them outside and they have arrived five minutes earlier. And the guard goes, right, based on the probability, looking at the road, that you should have travelled, um, you're guilty of a speeding offence, and they hit you with penalty points, right? But what if 
the person can explain, hang on a second, I took a shortcut, a back road, that reduced my, um, I still stayed within the speed limits, but I took a shorter route, not on the main roads. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so but, 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 you're, trying so to, so you're trying to yeah. explain that to a court or, 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 yeah. a, or a guard on the road, but you, you, you can't justify the action because you've no evidence maybe that you went that back road. Yes, but see, so the guard has the authority to straight away put penalty points on you. You take you, you go into a courtroom and the judge says, no, this man is correct, this is the route he took, I'm exonerating him, he shouldn't have the penalty points, he leaves the courtroom and the guard still have the authority to say, no, 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 based on our interpretation, the punishment stays. And like, you've no way back out of that. No way back out of that. So, like, you know, there are other appeals that the minister has put in. And look, they, they, you will hear that, oh, this is going to cost the country millions if it's not implemented. Yes, if it's implemented per- correctly, the industry will have no problem. If we're included in the discussions, if we bring forward our own uh, suggestions and that it's compatible with Irish law, which it can be, because it's, this is in other countries. And we could look at other systems elsewhere and see how they can adopt it. But we have a constitutional law here where in Europe it's the common law. So there's a slight change. So it's not as easy to bring in EU regulation like that. That's why you see a lot of it coming in under SI statute instruments rather than being brought through um, through the doll and primary legislation. And that's what was promised. Because it was to be introduced before, but were Fianna Fáil not against this back in 2018 and it didn't go ahead when it should have? And now the Taoiseach has signed off on this. I mean, do you think, first of all, maybe the Taoiseach didn't know what he was signing off on and the implications this would have for the fishing industry? I would hope so. I I would hope that the Taoiseach wasn't made fully aware of the the, the dangers of this because that's that's something frightening going forward, to be honest with you. If they did know that this themselves did a U-turn on this for what purpose So, and I believe that I don't think the Taoiseach would sign this on and if he knew the full facts I genuinely believe this look we're all very busy no matter what role you play in life now we're running so I believe that that man is has more on his desk than any man alive genuinely with the problems that we're facing in COVID-19 so when something is put in front of you like that it's easy for somebody to just sign this and take the word of the person that's advising him and that's where I see the problem, you know. I'm hoping, like the Minister has, um, the local TD here, uh, Christopher O'Sullivan, has contacted Michal Martin and Michal Martin has given 100% assurances that he's going to meet the industry. There will be a new Minister appointed and we will look at this and revisit this and it's then we're hoping that, you know, we can change the laws. Once a law, it's not set in stone, we can change, they are the legislators and we're hoping that's what will happen here and common sense will prevail and what they agreed was wrong previously will stand again and they will acknowledge that. And that's, that's what we're hoping for. But look, the industry really and truly in, in West Cork here and all around the country is struggling big time. Like our, 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 we, We're not making up the figures and facts. This is reality. COVID has a devastating effect on, on our industry. And these are men and women who are going out to sea, risking their lives, and who have been asked to do so through COVID-19 by our government to continue to keep the food supply going. And, you know, to see this happening now again, those people, like, how many blows to your morale do you have to get before people realise here, you know, this this is important, we have to think more carefully, and we have to look after these people, like, you know, we're not we're not bad people. We, we, I believe we're not bad people. I believe that the people that fish in the sea are rare. Their, their numbers are dwindling and being dramatically dwindling because it's a tough industry.
and uh, it's really important for our coastal communities where I come from that we keep fishing going and keep it alive because I think it's one of the foundation blocks of our coastal communities. And that spreads inland, like, you know. Yeah, that the ripple off effects from the town on the coast inland then to, to other towns and, and even into the various cities. So it's not just affecting the, the local area there. It has an effect overall. And when it comes to the EU, I mean, they must have put some pressure on Ireland to implement this. Uh, did Ireland not lose out on funding or could it lose out on funding from the EU if the penalty points weren't imposed the, this particular year? Could that have put pressure on Michal Martin? Oh, absolutely. Look, there's no doubting that and we agree with that. But you see, the solution here was that we, we're always putting our hands up. We will talk about this. We have ideas and proposals and amendments for this legislation to allow it to be brought in, provided it's fair to our fishermen. Look, we, we do not support people breaking the law in any area or any industry of our country. You know, we have um, a lot of fishermen in our organisation, 60, so you can't allow any bad apples poison the barrel, right? So... We have to be fair to everybody. So we're not against this legislation coming in. We never said we were. We just want it to be brought in in a fair manner that is um, allowable under our own laws and that we are treated no differently than any other citizen of the state and we're given the protection of our state and we're not told, listen, we believe you're guilty, ergo you're guilty, whereas you go into a court and it says, no, you're not guilty. Here's the evidence and the proof. The judge says it's no good. Out you go. And you're still penalised. You're still criminalised in a different way, in a separate um, manner to everybody else in the country. This doesn't apply to any other industry. Not yet, anyway. So, um, look, it's, 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 it's frightening that this happened. We're hoping that it will be resolved. And it's great that we're getting the opportunity to put our side forward. And, and I keep coming back to this, um, John Paul. This was already adjudicated in our courts. And the courts of Ireland said the fishermen were correct. This was not correct legislation and it has to be brought in in another way. And um, we're hoping that it will be the case with our government that are there to govern us and there to write the laws that are fair to our citizens. Well, we'll watch and, and wait and see what happens over the next number of weeks on this because it is something that has caused a lot of anger in the fishing and indeed in coastal communities. But you mentioned there about the fishing industry being under so much pressure and I got a number of texts and WhatsApps in on that. Uh, and this is something we have seen and we have heard about over the past. And maybe you could clarify some of this because the texts are here uh, saying we are a mighty country, but what he feels is any Irish boat that comes into the port, there's usually three or four fishery officials on board and then you see the Spanish or French landing and no one goes near them. It's a joke. Uh, one texter saying we should join Britain on this. I mean, what do you feel when you hear and, and see your fellow fishermen texting that and, and their reaction of that from the ports? Well, look, that that's the level of frustration that's there for the fishermen in Ireland. Like the home port that I represent in Castellon Bay or now we represent boats all over the country but we're based in Castletown Bear. We see this vessels coming in day after day after day after day from foreign ports. And it, of course, is frustrating for the fishermen. But we don't blame our colleagues and our fellow fishermen from other countries for doing the job that they are being provided with to do. We have a problem with the European Union uh, share out of fish in our own waters. And under Uniclass law, when another country isn't catching their share of fish that's been allocated to them in our waters, We'd like to see some of that fish coming back to us. But that's a change to the common fishery policy. So we don't know how Brexit is going to happen or pan out or we're going to keep the same. 
We wanted to link the trade because if it's broken for us, we're going to be devastated because not only will we lose access to the only other fishing grounds really that we have is the UK waters, but also the boats that are fishing there, we don't know how many of those 400 that there currently will be coming back into our waters. This is on the figures that people need to realise. Over 18 metres, meters, which is not a big boat, we have only 180 left in our fleet in the demersal sector. Only 180. So 50 or 60 of them are fishing a lot of their time in UK waters. So they have to come home. So that's an awful increase on our fishing grounds and our biologically sensitive area. And for the listener, the reason why Ireland is so important is we have the continental shelf. It's where the fish come to spawn and breed and come up through the teenage years and then move off to other fishing grounds. So you shouldn't be allowed to damage that. And we're, we want it protected. So as you say, fishermen seeing what they perceive is the inequality of the inspections. It's a long story to go into it. It's very simply, Ireland gives out its quota on a monthly basis. And a sea fishery officer can go on board a vessel and note to the kilo what they're allowed to catch in that particular month. Whereas the other countries, they control the fish. They actually own the quotas within producer organisations like ourselves. So another vessel could come in with a larger quantity of fish because that's the proportion of the share they would take individually out of it. And For the fear me, now, I suppose, of Brexit is the share that those Spanish and French, when they are currently within UK waters, they'll all move to Irish waters. If, if the deal goes through that no one, none of them can enter uh, the UK waters, if, if that was to happen from Brexit. Well, you see, if, if anybody wants to look at fishing and, and get a clear picture of this, and this is not complicated, they go onto the marine websites and they'll see the picture of Europe's fishing waters. Mm. And, the, and the fishing waters out from Spain and France, they drop away into a big chasm, right? So trawling can't be done there. It's too deep. So the only place that you can do trawling is just off the shoreline and in Irish waters. So traditionally, they have come to our grounds to fish and the EU looked at the history of this and said, well, here you go. But they set that in stone in 1973. And what we say is, look, there's no business that runs on the same business model and the same plan 40 years later, you know, and you have to see what changes have been made and the movement of fish, climate change, the effects on the, the communities, the coastal communities. So we would like it to be looked at, but not now, not with breaks uh, approaching, because this would just destroy us all. It, it, What's, what's in front of the fishing industry of Europe? Because we're all affected. We're all fishing the same resource. If it's not done in a correct manner, the most important thing could be damaged is the sustainability of the stocks. Yeah, well, and you mentioned there the marine traffic app and, and, and website. I know at Christmas when there was the various storms, I know there's been storms of late, but seemingly at Christmas it went up as a screenshot on, on the websites and on social media. And the frustration from people, we spoke to you around that time, at the amount of trawlers from Spain and France and elsewhere that were docked in Castleton Bear and in other ports across the west of Ireland angered people. Now, of course, the next news story came and that was, you know, that, that disappeared again out of the news headlines. But a lot of people who had no interest in fishing or did not know anything about the fishing industry were angered at that uh, but for you guys that is the reality as you say and, and you probably work closely with these other countries on this but that is the reality you are competing uh, with those countries and, and they are able to dock in your lands and you can see that uh, on that particular website Yeah look it, it's, it's there for everybody to see and people would be scratching their heads and saying why is the Irish industry so quiet but look as I said this is a shared resource these people coming in they're doing the job that's allocated to them, you know. 
we might not like it, but that's the way it is. But what my job is, is to try and go above the fishermen and go to the European Union and to our member state level and say, look, is there any way that we should be looking for extra quota here? We we were very vocal in, in the fish. Everybody knows about the bluefin tuna and one of the fish that was caught and they're being tagged to monitor them and see how many are in the sea. But like Ireland has 50, a share of, I think, around 74 tonnes. I think it is, it's gone up to now, 74 tonnes out of a fishery that Europe has 19,000 tonnes of a quota. Yet these fish are coming into our waters. But because of the historic nature of it, and because the reference years that were used when the Irish boats were at it, we didn't get a share. We only got a, a small amount. So we've looked at that. We, uh, Our organisation went to Dubrovnik, to the ICAT meeting, to try and change things. But that has to be taken up on a political level, it has to go to Europe. We have to look for changes. But we don't want to be robbing off the next guy, okay? All we want is that if there's available fish there, and we should be getting more of it. And I think that's fair, and especially when it's in our own waters. But look, that's we've packed all that now because of Brexit, because um, Brexit is the biggest issue for us, and we have to keep our um, fisheries linked to the overall trade negotiations. Because if we're separated out, we're not valued enough be fought far in the manner that we would hope that would happen. So if we're linked to trade and we're part of the overall package, we have a hope. But is that separated or or they change that? Look, as one of my colleagues said, the game is over. But for me, it's worse because once that game is over, the rules change and everything is in turmoil. But again, I keep coming back personally to this. We manage the stocks. We take what we can out of each species of fish in the year so that they can recover. It's the same as farming on the ground, right? It's the same as forestry. You take down so many trees, you replant them, they come back. Fish are a fantastic um, species because they breed every year and they come back in numbers. And from millennium, from out of the caves, you know, you see the scratchings where we ate fish. It's a fantastic, nutritious food from the sea that, you don't contaminate. It's nutritious. It's it's best for the body, and there's no additives or nothing when you bring it ashore. It's easy to cook. It's it's. I think it's reasonably priced. So we should protect that resource. And we are a little island nation off of Europe. We're going to be separated from Europe by land, sea, and air now. So I think we should be looked at a little bit more favourably. And this is one of our greatest resources because you don't put anything back into it. You just mind it. And um, as a fisherman all my life, like I see the wealth that's out there and what could be developed. Like it could be so much more, so much more. And we have the skill at the moment within our shorelines with our skippers, so skilled to be able to go out there and take this fishery um, and fish in for the benefit of all of the country. You don't have to be a fisherman to get a benefit from the fishing industry. There's a myriad, 84% of the economic driver in, in the Bearer Peninsula comes from fishing. Can you imagine if you yeah. remove that industry from that What area? it would cause to that particular region of Cork? Absolutely. Huge devastation. Absolutely. So I presume looking into the commissioner, we mentioned earlier the EU commission, I mean, you, you do need someone so uh, that, that knows their stuff and that will fight for Ireland when it comes to the trade negotiations with Brexit. Yeah, and look, there's no... I, I, I think a politician's job is one of the toughest jobs you could ever take up. It's not nine to five. I, I can assure you of that. Like we, we know that from meeting our politicians at two or three o'clock in the morning when we're out in Brussels and briefings and stuff like that. And there's no d- 
doubting the, the amount of work that goes into it. We may, mightn't like the results that come out of it, and but we understand a lot of the complications that are there. We're doing it ourselves behind the scenes with our colleagues. We are in the Northwest Waters Advisory Council. We're in the Pledge Advisory Council. We're in the Markets uh, Markets Advisory Council. So we we are at, like a politician at, at some stage. We are at this seven days a week till the lights go out. You know, the, my phone is on um, for all hours of the day. It never goes off unless I'm sleeping or talking to somebody else. But it's an industry that's worth the effort, you know, and yeah. it's really important for a coastal community. Well, we'll see, I suppose, over the next few weeks, hopefully what will come out of the whole penalty points debacle and, and hopefully that will work in your favour over the next few weeks. For the moment, Patrick, I have to leave it there. Uh, but thanks for explaining that situation to us this morning and outlining what the fishing industry needs now over the next uh, number of weeks and indeed months. But thanks for joining us. Listen, thanks very much, John Paul. And, and it's, it really is appreciated, not just by me, but by my members and, and the fishing industry at large when we get an opportunity to tell the public of what's happening for our industry and for their industry. This is an Irish resource. Mm. People should absolutely understand this. We have an abundance of wealth off our coastline that will benefit every single citizen in the country because the, the, the majority of the fish that's sold brings euros into this country. And as you know yourself, as they say, every euro that goes around the economy passes through at least 10 hands before somebody gets to hold on to it. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. We need this influx of, of, of investment and money from other countries bringing money in. We can't keep um, importing and not exporting. So look, fishing is really important to the to the well-being of our country as a, as a whole. And I hope people will understand that it's worth minding. Well, I'm sure they do. And from the text this morning, uh, we can see they do uh, and uh, people in support of you that this matter, especially regarding the penalty points, does get sorted over the next uh, number of weeks. For the moment, Patrick, we'll leave it there. And thanks for joining us this morning. Patrick Murphy there of the Irish South and Southwest Fish Producers Organisation and how, what indeed and how the fishing industry are dealing uh, with what they're coming across at the moment. One of those is penalty points. You've heard the other issues there uh, for an industry that is worth so much to this country as Patrick outlined uh, it is something that we do need to watch and make sure we protect for the future your views are welcome 1850-333-103 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 good afternoon to you our lines are open 1850-333-103 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this afternoon or indeed text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 Joe Heffernan our regular counsellor on the show not with us this week but all going well will be back with us again next week on the show uh, but we are going back to calls and comments that have come in across the morning and this first of all uh, going back to the issue of cash Jur earlier on who was in a shop yesterday they refused him uh, to pay in cash he had to pay by card and that was it and he was asking can shops do that and uh, those in the know legally said they can uh, a few people on to us uh, saying that a shop can do that they can refuse you for any matter and as many shops do not want to handle cash and do not want to touch someone's hand when handing over cash they can actually do that uh, but on that, uh, D in McCroom says, I think people should have a choice of using cash when shopping. You have more control then on your spending when you're using cash, says D in McCroom. But in is saying, please tell people that there is no charge for transactions on credit cards for people over 65 in fields. I feel a lot of people over 65 are afraid of the charges and bank charges. Maybe that is why they continue to use cash. And yes, many bank accounts if not all for over 65s won't charge you fees and should not 
uh, charge you either for certain transactions on uh, your credit card. Now that's most banks again on that one just double check with your own bank just to be sure but I know the majority as in is making out the point that they, they don't charge uh, for various transactions that you carry out but again just to be on the safe side best to check with your bank. On the EU Commissioner Dan saying I feel Moraid McGuinness is the perfect replacement for Hogan. Vast experience and well connected to the EU President would greatly enhance our chances of keeping trade while we really need Simon Coveney on the Brexit case. He was excellent at that uh, field, Dan, on text to 0862103103. On that, uh, just news coming in. This is coming in from Virgin Media News. Uh, they are saying that they're being told the three party leaders... Uh, that they have relented on a threat to provide only one name to Ursula von der Leyen and will now propose a man and a woman. So one man and one woman will now be proposed to the EU Commission. Uh, and the Taoiseach uh, this morning described the nomination as a work in progress. So I'm sure we'll hear more on that across the day uh, on our C103 news bulletins and what is happening with that particular position. We spoke about the Docklands earlier on the show and this was in relation uh, first of all, over the weekend, the demolition of the Sexton Bar and how some people felt that we were losing our old buildings in Cork and should some of those buildings be kept and, and why the front of some of those buildings are kept. The Sexton wasn't, that was knocked down. And then others feel that we just have too many of these glass boxes now in and around our Dockland area, while others didn't say move with the times we need this welcome to 2020 this is what a modernised city looks like we should be like the rest of those cities in Europe time to spice things up and move into the 21st century Uh, David was saying that earlier on our Facebook well on that Tim uh, has a different view Uh, Tim says I fear many of our new glass boxes will be empty nature is getting revenge on capitalism through Covid and storms nothing is made or created in those glass buildings Uh, Tim is saying this is Tim now Uh, saying only girls are admiring their nails. Where are Fords, Dunlops and Rushbrook Dockyard? Too many people working in the pharmaceutical and financial services sectors and they have mindless jobs and they will not survive. Building schools will be a positive step as workers will pay PRSI but the banks will want every penny back with interest even from the benefactors that the government. The hungry years are ahead says Tim on text to 0862103103 and on that issue Tim makes about uh, the new glass buildings that he mentions there but is he right in a way with more people now working from home is there a fear uh, that they won't be as full as they thought they would but also apart from that on the jobs situation the likes uh, of the pharma companies are they here to stay the financial services are they here to stay he uh, goes back to Fords and Dunlops but then again Tim some would say uh, Fords and Dunlops uh, they didn't stay around either so uh, are you fearful that that same will happen to the financial services sector and indeed the pharma industry thank you for your text to 0862103103 and Meg asking the question and she says there's a song that mentions glass cages that springs up along our keys but will all of this help with the housing lists is the Elysium full asks Meg well I know the building that is due to replace the sextant that is going to be one of the tallest buildings in Ireland and it's going to be one of the tallest residential buildings so uh, there will be a housing uh, positive on that front when it comes to those particular big new buildings across the Docklands and uh, well moving away from the Docklands but still uh, looking at the river and our harbours and we'll deal with fish because we were speaking there to Patrick Murphy earlier on the fishing organisation 
reasons and why they're against the introduction of penalty points because it, the introduction of penalty points to the fishing industry is unfair uh, the way it is being proposed at the moment uh, and there's a lot of anger in the fishing industry over this apart from everything else they are facing at the moment on this a texter says Martin that's Michal Martin would want to keep the trawlers away from the shore stopping them from cleaning up the small fisheries and stopping foreign boats then in our waters which is only going to get worse, worse with Brexit coming on uh, while another uh, person here Jim is saying that he feels it's going to be a real struggle now for the fishing industry once Brexit goes through you will have other countries who were in UK waters they're now fishing Irish waters and any uh, problems we had will just get worse as time moves on after Brexit this needs to be dealt with now unfair on what our fishing industry has to deal with over the last number of years it's a forgotten industry but worth so much to our country says Jim on text 0862103103 and on the issue of behaviour and this is how earlier on reacting to uh, the issue of drink and bars and people were saying we need to uh, close the off licences and re- restrict the sale of drink in supermarkets on that a texter saying those people that are thinking are looking at the idea of closing off licences and more and feel that this will solve behavioural problems across society they need to get out in the streets more I don't own an off-licence, so I have no financial interest in this, but this person says that drug sales are rampant in towns and streets. I spoke to a single person on Sunday who rarely takes a drink, and he's been offered drugs several times on a night out. So it is a huge problem, not just the drink, but drugs are a huge issue in all our cities and all our towns and villages. That needs to be looked at as well, not just the issue of closing off licences and indeed uh, closing uh, supermarkets who do sellers are preventing the sale of drink in supermarkets as people are making out earlier. And on the issue of drugs, we will be discussing that later uh, this hour on the danger of drugs. And Jim uh, rose that or was raising the point earlier on in the show about the issue of drugs and felt while we're all talking about drink and looking at the various scenes across the country over the last number of months with house parties and whatnot, he said, it's not all down to drink. Drugs are a major factor and a new market listener 100% agrees with Jim on his comments there. Uh, on footpaths we're always on about roads but on the condition of footpaths Patrick uh, wants to raise this particular issue because Patrick says I have a mobility scooter and I've nearly fell, fallen off this particular scooter a couple of times because of the holes in the footpaths in Bandon are other people noticing this the bad condition of footpaths uh, is that something, something we've spoken about a number of years ago but while we're always chatting about the roads footpaths have you noticed that uh, footpaths in disrepair in your own town Patrick having that problem in Bandon are you noticing that where you live let us know 1850 333 103 text of WhatsApp 0862103103 and this is an issue we've got a lot of calls and texts about this morning and it's going back uh, to people going to mass after COVID. And I've got texting from various towns. I'm not going to mention the towns because if I do, I'm highlighting the people involved. So I'm going to group them all together and put it out as a, as a general comment uh, from the text we've got this morning from various areas of Cork on this. Uh, here is uh, this particular person summing up on her going to church and what she thinks of what is happening at the moment. She says, Hi JP, this text is about going uh, to church and the mass that's for the people. 
Well, the people are not happy to be attended due to being herded around like senseless animals by yellow vesters on a power trip. We all know about being safe and sanitising, etc. So no need for these people to tell us kitchen towel and sanitizer can be made available for cleaning. We don't need a speech about COVID updates. We can read and listen to the news ourselves. Wake up our churches and see how other churches maybe are running so smoothly without interfering mass goers or interfering with mass goers. What's the need for lay people giving an update to lay people on COVID? We are all aware of the safety issues. Mass is not a place for ear bashing. We want a peaceful mass without being annoyed, says one particular texter. Others like that are coming into us. While then on the other side of that, Carmel texting. Carmel was at mass at the weekend and she says she was very sorry for those people who are bringing and taking people to their seats and asking people to sanitise as those into the church. As she said, some of those people were abusing those who were helping people in the church. These people are being appointed to make sure people are sanitising and that people are safe and they're sitting in the safe locations. But people coming in were giving out to them. I overheard one person say, I will sit where I want. I will do what I want. You cannot tell me what to do. Do not tell me do this or that, was what somebody else roared at one of the helpers. And towards, before Mass started, Carmel said she was looking back and she could visibly see some of those particular helpers were upset at the abuse they were receiving from people who were attending Mass. I wonder if you're attending Mass, it's supposed to be a peaceful affair. Why the hell are you going into a church abusing somebody if you're going in to say a few prayers? Uh, It kind of defeats the purpose. Anyhow, uh, my husband, Carmel, says, uh, would she, uh, before Mass started, her husband said to her, I would have locked the door if they were abusive to me and kicked them out, uh, says Carmel's husband. But then she goes, as Mass was about to start, there was an issue because the church was then full with the amount of people that they were only allowed to have inside the particular church. So they had to start closing the church doors. But people were still coming in. Now, Carmel says, in fairness, people should have known the time of Mass and they were coming in once Mass had started. But the helpers had to close the church door. And as they were closing the church door, then people were roaring. And I could hear people outside saying, it is our church. Stop closing our doors. Let us in. Carmel said it was awful to hear this happening. Uh, first of all, she said while mass was ongoing, you hear the roaring outside, and then the upset that it was causing people inside, especially elderly people. They could hear the roaring and were looking back, uh, and no one knew what exactly was happening. Uh, but after mass, they found out that was the reason the church was just full. Mass had started, and they were closing the doors. So they were obeying uh, the COVID restrictions. So two views on that. A number of people saying uh, they don't want those uh, people who are helping them when they come into the church and they say they know the regulations themselves. They're well aware of how to clean and sanitise their hands and they don't need these people uh, running them to their seats or interfering with them. Uh, as that person says earlier, uh, while Carmel then on the other side of that says she felt sorry for the helpers who were being abused at the weekend in her local church and people roaring at them and people telling them that they will sit where they want and they will do what they want. And then when it came to the church closing because it was full, Uh, Those roaring at the actual helpers through the church door. Uh, Interesting uh, thoughts on that, especially for those who are going to Mass and praying to our Lord and then roaring at people at the same time. And then others who are against those helpers. 
Does it defeat the purpose of what Mass is all about? Anyway, uh, your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, maybe we're thank God we're not doing the sign of peace that people are roaring at each other as we can't do it anyhow with COVID and um, it was being stopped last year and the years before because of the flu but if people are roaring at each other before any mass starts yeah your views are welcome 1850-333-103 lively place are the local churches and on that uh, text are then saying when you're talking there about priests and about masks and about churches I was at a christening a few weeks ago and we all had to wear the mask but the priest came out with none so is it one rule for them and another for us so when he came out with none I took mine off I'm sorry but I was not the only one who did that but I don't know, is it, does the priest, is it because he's speaking at the Mass? Is, is that why and he's talking and wouldn't people not understand him with the mask on? I don't know. Uh, what's the situation? Was he close to you? Was he away in the altar? Uh, maybe someone in the know will know if you were at a christening uh, regarding that particular situation. 1850-333-103, lines open, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But if you go to Mass, which is supposed to be a peaceful event... Well, seemingly in the last weekend in Cork, it wasn't very peaceful. Anyhow, your thoughts are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And I'm Cara Support Group for bereaved parents. They will return to their group meetings with safety measures in place. And that's happening tomorrow, Wednesday at 7.15pm in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs and in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. And that's on Tuesday, the 15th of September at 7.15pm. Skibbereen Country Market will be reopening on Friday coming from 11.30am to 1.30pm in Abbey Church Hall in Skibbereen. Cakes, crafts and a lot more on available there at Skibbereen Country Market and the West Cork Toastmasters they're back in action this coming Saturday via Zoom if you want to get involved there email westcorktm at gmail.com and Tully Lee's Parish Penny Dinners Collection that is going ahead this coming Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the community centre in Tully Lease. Home baking, cash donations and perishable goods are accepted there this coming Sunday in Tully Lease. And World Suicide Prevention Day, that's taking place this Thursday, the 10th of September, so Thursday week. And Charnival Suicide Awareness Group are asking people to light a candle in remembrance of those who have passed away and for their families and friends. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 18 18- 50 And on the issue of the church, it's a huge response on this 1850-333-103 column is saying people are taking advantage of the church. If they were going to a JA match or a concert, they could not just sit wherever they like. They are going to a church to pray. So what does it matter where they sit, uh, says Column. Uh, while Nancy is saying re-going to Mass, why do people get upset about helpers at the church? They feel embarrassed enough having to do the job already they're all locals and only trying to do their best people are inclined to be very petty and small minded uh, says Nancy uh, when it comes to those people who are helping those uh, in the churches right across the county Uh, while uh, Jessica is saying I can understand why people are frustrated some people have their own seats in the church and they want to sit in that seat and if that seat isn't available or they're told they can't sit there uh, then it's unfair uh, for them that they can't sit in that particular seat I agree with your earlier text or we don't need people telling us where to sit and how to sanitise and uh, reacting to Carmel another texter says I would like to know what 
Mass Carmel uh, went to or the Carmel go to Mass for a nose around watching others if the people or the helpers weren't there you could say your prayer and concentrate on Mass not gibbering to your husband says that particular texter on Carmel who noticed and who was in agreement that the helpers were helping people and Carmel felt those coming in and abusing the helpers was wrong and she felt sorry for the helpers so she was disagreeing with that particular texter was Carmel anyhow thank you for your text to 0862 103103 on bank charges a texter here is saying that AIB doesn't charge for over 65s but if you have a joint account and one is under 65 you are charged so most banks are after applying to the central bank to increase charges in the last couple of weeks which we have uh, briefly mentioned on the show yesterday we are going to discuss that in more detail tomorrow because it is a worry on what could be brought in uh, with those particular increases from the banks and on the issue of our city docklands and the brand new buildings and the glass buildings have been built in those particular areas a a person here that says if we keep losing our iconic buildings what will the tourists be coming to see we go to Italy and other European countries to see their buildings and the sun which Ireland doesn't get a lot of won't be the reason you're coming here so we need to keep our iconic buildings in this country also uh, so that particular text there on 0862103103 now earlier while we were mentioning the issue uh, of our off licenses and drink uh, a lot of people are making the point that what we are seeing with house parties and uh, other things over the last while is not all to do with drink and they feel is to do with drug and there's a warning now uh, that drugs may be getting more dangerous because they are revolutionising the drug scene at the moment across the country I'm going to speak more on this with Nicole Ryan because we've spoken to Nicole before on the programme and of course you'll be well aware that she lost her brother Alex to drugs and she joins me now to discuss uh, the new dangers that is facing the drug market at the moment. Good afternoon to you, Nicole. Hi, good afternoon. And uh, thanks for joining us again this afternoon. Uh, First of all, just explain what is happening here on the market. Why is the drug market changing uh, and becoming extremely dangerous at the moment, especially when we uh, speak about synthetic drugs? Um, I guess synthetic drugs have always been around. Um, Well, they've been not always, but they've been around and become more prevalent in the last couple of years um, because they're cheap, they're easily accessible and students, I suppose, are looking for things that are cheap because they don't have a lot of money and they will come across synthetic drugs online which they can buy and get delivered to their house, basically. And what is happening sometimes is that some of the synthetic drug dealers will cut the synthetics with illicit drugs. So, for instance, fentanyl might be cut with other powders or other are put into other pills and fentanyl is very strong anesthetic and it's also, you know, you have your medical uses of fentanyl but you also have the synthesized version and it's very, very dangerous and leads to an overdose almost instantly if it's taken, if too much is taken. And what's happening now so at the moment is fentanyl is being mixed up with current drugs such as maybe cocaine and ecstasy. Is that what's happening now and proving to be more dangerous? Yeah, it's kind of, it's been it's been happening for a while, of course, but it is there's a chance that this could be happening. Um and just like with any drug, you're never going to get a pure form of ecstasy or you're never going to get a pure form of cocaine. And the actual danger is that it is cut and mixed with other chemicals and other synthetic drugs. And fentanyl, of course, it's easy to transport then because uh, reading up on this yesterday and researching this, uh, it can be even like, you know, when you get a packet of sugar, it can be transported in something like a packet of sugar so easily to get around the country and to maybe uh, escape from the authorities. 
Yeah, um, well, like, it's very easy to conceal fentanyl. It's very easy to get fentanyl in and out. You can buy it online in synthetic drug shops that you have online, which are just like any other online shop. And you can buy it in bulk as well. So it's not that difficult to get it into the hands of people who make drugs and deal drugs. And the reason this is all coming about and raising awareness of this, which you are doing for, for the last number of years, but we have a lot of people, and even though a lot of the colleges are going to be online this year, still we will have a lot of people who are moving into an urban area for the first time and realising that life is a bit different and they're going to be hanging out with new people. And that's the big thing in this. They're going to be making new friends and maybe trying to impress those friends. And the big thing... Uh, is that they could fall into this trap of trying on taking a drug and they might try the particular drug once but the drug they try could be the drug we're speaking about here it could be mixed with something else and unfortunately as your family have seen it could lead to a devastating effect. Exactly, you know, and there's not enough awareness within young people and within, you know, young people of college going age about what synthetic drugs actually are and how dangerous they are. The usual perfect storm scenario is that they're going to a party. Somebody says, oh, I'm getting 2CP, which is which is a synthetic hallucinogen that my brother would have gotten. Well, thought he got. Um, and everybody at the party is trying it. And one person's like, oh, I've never heard of this. This seems kind of safe. Everybody's okay. And that's the trap that they'll fall into. And that one little line or one bit they might take may turn out to be a completely different synthetic drug or a completely different compound altogether. And also everybody's body is different as well, so you, you don't know how a person will react. Exactly. And that's the other side of things outside of the whole drugs. I mean, we are hearing a lot more about house parties these days, Nicole. Are you concerned? Because I know you were going around to secondary schools over the last few years, educating the dangers that drugs can bring to a life, to a family. Are you worried now since COVID has come in? I presume you haven't been able to physically go around to the schools and that the message might be disappearing in somewhat, especially with the increase of those house parties we keep hearing about? Um, I, I worry a little, yeah, but I've moved everything online. So everything is accessible. And I've worked at numbers of colleges over the past while as well to educate the college-going students about this kind of stuff as well, um, which looks at a more harm-reduction-based approach because we have to be realistic that they're already there. You know, they're, not, they're already experimenting. College is that experimental time. Um, but it's getting them to be aware of what is out there, that there is potential dangers everywhere you go and that any drug use, even medication, carries a risk. So you have to be conscious of that fact. Um, And I do worry, but I'm trying to keep pushing the message out there, trying to engage with more students, trying to create more awareness. So just little by little. Yeah, and from what we're hearing from people over the last while in our texts uh, and, and WhatsApps, they feel the reason people are trying to drink more and we're seeing these various parties is because, you know, the pubs are closed, the nightclubs are closed. Is there a fear that people, as some of our listeners are suggesting, that they are turning maybe to drugs now uh, to get a kick? I suppose, the, yeah, I suppose if you look at it, it's kind of the drugs are cheaper. You get a bigger kick for a cheaper amount of price. And I suppose with being locked down, being, you know, inside, pubs are closed and stuff like that. But, you know, drug use continues through pubs as well. It doesn't just, it's not just subject to only house parties. It happens all the time. But I think maybe a lot of mental health issues have come to light as well with some people. And it's not just house parties or parties that people use drugs in. It's other settings. And it could be self-medication, isolation. They might be bored. They might be looking to 
you know, there's loads of different reasons. So we can't just pin it on house parties and young people either. Mm. And the the issue of drugs, obviously, is, is still high on, on drug dealing on the streets. Uh, would you like to see more uh, authorities are, are, are more done to prevent the, that particular side of dealing? I mean, online is gone as big now as street dealing. And I believe that even social media sites that you can actually contact drug dealers via social media sites now, it's as easy as that without maybe looking for them on the street. Oh yeah, it's so simple. Um, I suppose the drug dealing trade, like drug dealers are innovative people and they've, like, when COVID hit, they had to find new ways. I've heard of drug dealers dressing up as delivery guys like DVD and stuff and delivering stuff to people's houses. Um, online, yeah, it's massive on Instagram, Snapchat. You can you can buy drugs on that. Um, it's very hard to police the in- internet. It really, really is. You know, it really is. Especially Snapchat, because the messages on that last for 10 seconds, whether writing or a photograph. So I presume the evidence is kept in some server that they own. But for the general phone a person has, you send a message on that. There's no way of finding it again. So the evidence isn't there. Yeah, and you can just delete it, start a new one. There's, you know, it's very easy to just pop back up again once one is shut down. Ten more are open. And then you just mentioned there about drug dealers acting as delivery drivers. Was that happening during the lockdown that they were dressing up as a particular courier company and delivering drugs? Like they were delivering drugs as like different types of couriers. Like there's no real one courier that they were targeting or anything. But I suppose it was like an innovative thing that, you know, COVID hit. People couldn't access drugs, you know, their dealers or whatever um, to get their drugs. So they had to come up with different ways, especially with the kilometres, you know, and the lockdown and not being able to travel outside your five metres or five kilometres outside your thing. So they had to kind of be creative. And But I'm pretty sure that had happened way prior to lockdown, but I suppose it maybe exasperated the issue. But I think people are also a bit naive to think that, you know, the type of people that are getting drugs or the type of people that are looking for this kind of stuff is people, you know, from disadvantaged areas and stuff like that. Not at all. I'm from a rural town and I'm from and I'm very accustomed to rural ways and in rural towns it's nearly as worse as worse than the urban areas because there is so much isolation in rural towns and especially for young people there's not much outlets and many things to do. So they're turning to drugs? Some might. Some might. I'm not saying all young people turn to drugs. That's not the case at all. But young people are looking for something to do and you know, if there was more youth centres, if there was more activities for young people, this would deter them from trying drugs. Is it easier to access drugs in a rural area because you have a lot of rural roads and maybe areas where there's less of a population? Um, I think it's as easy as anything, but not just in rural areas. It's easy anywhere because everything is online now. So if you have a phone, you can access yeah, and it's a, it's a worry that that is the way it's gone, especially if they're using Snapchat, as I say, trying to get the, the evidence of that then is going to be tougher for the authorities if they do eventually catch those who are dealing. And I mean, Nicole, the reason you are highlighting all of this is you lost your own brother to drugs in January of 2016. Uh, you've gone on to do so much great work from educating students and I'm sure saving other lives on the dangers of drugs. Uh, how are you and your family now there in Mill Street on it was 2016 when Alex passed away how are you four years later on from this and do you find your work in educating those in the education sector do you find that helpful? Yeah I find it extremely helpful I suppose when I started Alex Adventure it was the, this is the grief that keeps me going it's putting that energy that I have that I you know could have taught me in many different paths um, I've just channeled it into Alex Adventure 
and it's never biased, it's never naive, like, you know, the message is to think twice, to help young people to make better choices as they're growing up, because I just think back to my education and my brother's education around substances and drugs, it just wasn't there for us, and that wasn't the fault of the school, that wasn't the fault of teachers either, it was, I suppose, like the system that's designed, and there's not enough done in this space about teaching young people about substances, because when they leave school, no matter the fact is, no matter what you taught your child, no matter where they go, they will be faced with drug, drug use. They will. And they'll have to make that choice, unfortunately. And hopefully the online that you're doing at the moment now on the education that way will prevent that from happening uh, to someone who may think it's just a one-off to try drugs, but it could change their lives. And, and that's the, the work you were doing there, Nicole, through Alex Adventures, maybe unknown to yourself, hopefully it is, but it's helping a lot of families out there uh, from, again, as you say, making those who are thinking it's a good choice to stop and think and think of the outcome for their friends and family if it goes wrong. That's exactly it. It's mm. just that split second that can literally change your life and it's helping them just think about it because young people, their brains are just not yet there yet to develop that consequential streak that we all have as adults and it's trying to help them bring that to the forefront and just to think. Indeed. Well, for the moment, Nicole, thanks for joining us again. As always, well done in your work and highlighting the dangers of drugs and regards to your family there in Mill Street. Thank you very much. You take care. Mind yourself. Uh, Nicole Ryan there joining us uh, from Will Street. Obviously, they've gone through their own grief over the last four years following the death of her brother Alex in the city. But out of that, she is running Alex Adventure, raising awareness of the dangers of drugs and how accessible and how easily accessible drugs are. I mean, to think that you can just go on Snapchat, which for those of you who are maybe who are unaware of Snapchat, it's like any app on your phone. It's a social media site and you can send photos. You send a, a photo to someone it lasts for 10 seconds, it disappears, it's gone forever. You can do the same. You can write a message to someone. They can reply, but the messages disappear after you go out of the message to go back in again. You can't see the message. So tougher to track what messages were sent and to think you can go on those particular social media sites and find a drug dealer uh, nearby in a matter of, of of minutes and then get a particular delivery is very, very worrying. That is happening and she said and, and those in the know know it's happening. Anyhow, uh, thanks to Nicole for raising that and again if you have a child who is attending college or about to go into college we know it can, as Nicole said there it can happen more so in a rural town than an urban town but the thing is when they meet new people and those people are trying things and you think oh well if they're all trying that and you know they're all okay maybe I should dabble uh, that's the worry don't dabble so no harm to bring that up uh, with your child as they head back to college again I know a lot of them will be doing it online but for those that may be attending a few weeks of the year and attending the actual campus it's no harm to have that conversation with them even though I know people will say that the pubs are closed and all of that uh, it can still happen in the street and it would be foolish to think uh, that house parties are not going on okay 1850 lines open on the issue of speeding that was brought up on yesterday's show, more on this. First of all, it was mentioned in Mill Street and this particular person says, with regards to the man who was trying to cross the road in Mill Street, is he not himself breaking the law by jaywalking? There is no pedestrian crossing at the credit union there. Does he think he owns the road and is entitled to disrupt traffic wherever he likes? I would suggest that he obeys the rules of the road himself when it comes to crossing the road in Mill Street and on speeding in Lissarda. A texter says no harm to bring up about speeding. I've noticed the same recently in Lissarda 
Garda. Very dangerous when coming and out and in of businesses there with the amount of cars that are speeding through the area. Uh, no one uh, seems to be obeying the speed limit there. While Anne is saying they are speeding as well in Drumahan. Lorries, cars and now with children going back to school they need to cop on. It's disgraceful, says Anne, while somebody else saying you should look and check out the speed of cars going through Bally Desmond. No one uh, is obeying the speed limit there going through Bally Desmond and again dangerous now with schools having returned uh, says that particular person on speed in Bally Desmond. Is that something you have come across in your area? Let us know. You can text or WhatsApp 86 2103 And on the issue of helpers in the church, we've got a huge response on this. We'll get through some of those comments next. And on the issue we got earlier on uh, from uh, two various, well, a lot of texters were texting in on this, but just on two various people who had different mindsets. First was a person who uh, felt entering the church, they disagreed with the helpers. Uh, they felt that we all know about COVID, we know how to sanitise, we don't need lay people telling other lay people in the church on how to behave. And then we had Carmel who said she witnessed the helpers in her local church being abused at the weekends and she, her husband said to her, those people people should be locked out for the way they spoke to those helpers who were only doing their job and bringing people in and out of the church. Well, on that a huge response I must say to this. First of all, a texter here saying, I believe that there was problems at my local church as well last weekend as people got abusive to the helpers and the doors had to be closed. Uh, John, we, John Paul, we need the stewards to guide us to a correct seat in our church. Otherwise, people will just pile in on top of each other and suit themselves. It was very uncomfortable in the church because there was too many people left in to the church and then we were not able to social distance properly because we were not one metre apart and I had contemplated staying away uh, from Mass for another while. So I think the churches may have to close again if people don't show some respect for themselves and others. Uh, says that particular texter and what happened in his local church at the weekend. Another person here on WhatsApp says in my church we are allowed two per seat or two families but it's not being done by some. What happens is you have people who pass you on the inside of the seat and then you have three per seat. So that makes it very uncomfortable. Scary even uh, for some people in the church. Will these people ever just cop on? And the texter here, these are from the girls listening in Malibu at the moment who say Uh, The helpers that are in the churches, they're doing a great job, but it's rude of people to be rude to them and abusing them. They should never be left in again. If someone abuses someone coming into the church who's helping people, those people should not be left in. We're shocked to hear about this going on. While Helen is in Bishopstown, she's a regular mass goer. She finds the church is the safest place she can go. She uses the Holy Trinity in the city. She says it's very well organised. The volunteers are fantastic. She's delighted the priest gives advice on ongoing what's happening in the church and you go up one uh, centre you go down the other side for communion and the church is uh, sanitised afterwards so she's very happy with that particular church in the city centre and PJ on text says I have been on duty for virtually every morning since our church resumed daily mass we sign in as stewards but our parish priest always describes us as ministers of welcome and that is what we endeavour to be you mentioned an irate person who insisted that it was their church, maybe they and their ancestors have contributed towards the cost of the building but other people's lives are not theirs to put at risk we are volunteering to assist the parish priest to cause observance of HSC protocol fortunately in our church 
filling nearly every available seat every morning we have heard an absolute minimum of negative comments thank God and we welcome people and guide them to an available seat uh, says PJ on what's happening in his local church on text to 86 something I'm sure we'll be returning to on the programme tomorrow you can email across the afternoon jp at c103.ie but interesting uh, mixture of views on those helping people into the church and you thought the church was a, a peaceful place well uh, seems not all are yeah, a lot more text coming in regarding the issue in the churches we'll get back to those tomorrow on the show thanks to Bernie Murphy and Sadie Madden who worked on the show today flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.